All right, so you want to pass the connection books? That'd be great. Randall. I know, right? Man. All right, so if kids want to head out, they can do that. I think we're good, though. Uh, so the D'Antuano baptism is, is next service, so, so a lot of the kids are probably hanging out for that one. Uh, but good to see you all. Uh, so uh, these last few weeks, we have been talking about the mission of Reach Church, the mission of Reach Church. Now, you should know the mission by now. Uh, the mission is we live to reach all people. What? With nothing but Jesus. My wife knows it. All right. <laughs> Everyone else is a schmuck. All right. Uh, <laughs> we live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. All right. That is our, that is our mission. Uh, we've been talking about that over the past couple weeks. Uh, and you know that mission. I know you know it. I know you do. I know you do. So I, it's, that was a joke. Some of you were, were widely offended. Sorry. Uh, all right. So... Uh, We've looked at this kind of in a, in a corporate manner, mostly. We've looked at how we, as a church, want to become all things to all people. That this is not a church for ourselves, that actually we are, we are a mission church. A church that is, is here for the existence of the people out there who don't yet know Jesus. We exist to, to bring people Jesus, that we might reach them with nothing but Jesus. All right. Today, today I want to talk about kind of the more individual aspect of that. That... We all, as, as individuals, are supposed to go out there and live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. Appropriately so, we're talking about the Great Commission today. The Great Commission. That we are a people on mission. That we're not here just to, just to hang out. We are here for a purpose. To reach people with nothing but Jesus. That is your individual mission. As part of this church, as the church, as those who, who are in fellowship with Jesus, that is your mission. All right, and the reality is this, this sermon, this sermon could change the way that you live your life for, for every day after this. Because I know that some of you don't see this as your mission. You haven't received the Great Commission as, as your personal call. But if you do, that'll change every day of your life. It'll change how you think about Everything that you do. It'll give purpose to your life that, that cannot be taken away from you. I know that some of you are kind of bored with the Christian life. I know that. I know that you feel like you're kind of just waiting, waiting for all this to wrap up so you can go to heaven and be happy. All right? And you're bored and you're wondering like, okay, I, I feel like I've learned the basic doctrines. Like, what do I do now? All right, that means you're not living on mission. Because there's excitement in the mission, there's purpose in the mission. That, that we come here not just to like finish out our time. We come here that we may be reminded of the mission and go out and bring it to the world. So with that in mind, we are looking at the Great Commission today. Uh, four aspects to the mission. Look, oh, it's not three. There's four this time. All right, uh, the Great Commission. So we're looking at, at the work of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the commandment of Jesus, and the promise of Jesus. So four things we're looking at. Work, authority, command, and promise. Work, authority, command, and promise. And all these things build towards being sent out, being commissioned by Jesus to bring nothing but Jesus to the world. So turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28. So 
So Matthew is going to be your first book in the New Testament. We're going to the very, very end of it. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. We're still flipping, still flipping. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. All right, read with me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right. This is the Great Commission. All right. Pray with me. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has called us to a new life of, of purpose and of mission and a life that revolves around you. And Father, we thank you that you have been on mission for us, that you have sent Jesus, that he has been our, our missionary, that we might be saved, that we might know him and, and find life in him. And Father, we thank you that, that there's a life beyond this one, that there's a life beyond the grave. And Father, we thank you for this mission that you've given us. We ask that we might delight in it and rejoice in it. And you might use your word to help us to enjoy your mission and to, to be faithful to it. Would you go with us and be with us and be the authority behind our words that we may be um, salvation to these people. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, let's, let's jump right into it. Uh, first, first, the Great Commission depends upon the work of Jesus. All right, so if it weren't for the work of Jesus, there would be no mission. There would be nothing to speak about. And so first, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples, there's 11 disciples, Judas is no longer there, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. All right. Maybe the, the most important part about the Great Commission is that it's given to us by the resurrected Jesus. By the resurrected Jesus. All right, that changes everything. That Jesus is alive. Jesus died for sin. He died to defeat evil, to defeat Satan, to bring a new life, a resurrection life to his people. All right. That's the most important part of this, is the work that Jesus has already done. If we're going to be on mission, we need to receive the fact that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. He has already died for sin. He is resurrected to give us eternal life. Eternal life. Life that cannot be taken away. Life that you don't have to earn. You receive it by faith. Alright, first of all, that is the message. That is the message. If you don't know Jesus as the died and risen Savior, you're not going to have a mission because you're not going to have a message. Alright, this is what we're bringing to the world. We're not bringing the world morals. We're not bringing them commandments. We're bringing them Jesus who died and rose to, from, to life for them. Who takes their death and gives them their, his life. All right. 
The death and resurrection of Jesus is, is the call, is the message. All right, second, second, why is it so important that we understand the death and resurrection of Jesus? All right, without the death and resurrection of Jesus, the mission is futile. The mission is futile. All right, every other mission out there is going to end. Is going to end. That death will have the final say, that destruction will have the final say, chaos will have the final say. If there is no resurrection savior, then the mission is going to fail. Because in the end, the, the sun's going to burn out and nothing's going to ever happen to it. All right, we need to believe in the resurrection of Jesus because otherwise, like, in Jesus, that mission goes on forever. That there are eternal implications for the things that are done here. That people either spend eternity with Jesus in life or there's no life for them. That they are destroyed, that they come under wrath. There is something after this life. Alright, that ought to send us on a mission because we have, something, we have something more to look forward to. This time right here, it's not just a time of to be about ourselves. It's not a time to seek pleasure. This is a time to prepare for eternity. And to do things that have eternal consequences. And to resolve to, to see other people move towards that, that eternity in Jesus. Alright. So, the disciples, they, they see this. They see the, the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus standing before them. Alright, and they have, they have one of two responses. There's two responses to this. You either worship or you doubt. You worship or you doubt. Okay. For those who worship, if you worship, you're worshiping the resurrected Savior. That Jesus Christ has, has died for sin. He has died for your sin, your guilt, your shame. And now he has given you eternal life freely. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. It is totally free in Jesus. And now we are called to worship. To love him. To enjoy the fact that we have this salvation. To, to live as if it's true. To just love Jesus. All right. And if we are truly worshiping Jesus then we're not going to be content with just like, oh, yeah, I, I worship him, but like, no, we, we, want, we want the whole world to worship him. That the whole world deserves to worship him, that he, he deserves the worship of the world. And we want to see other people worshiping him for all eternity. That that's how thankful we are that we have found this eternal life. That we have found eternal joy, that we found eternal peace in Jesus. All right. All right, there's another reality, okay. So Jesus, Jesus is, is risen from the dead. We can either worship or we can doubt. We can either worship or we can doubt. All right, we need to be honest with this reality that some of us doubt the resurrection. Some of us don't actually believe it. All right, the disciples. The disciples are literally standing in front of Jesus. He's talking to them, and it says, still they doubt. Still they don't actually believe that he's resurrected. All right, that's the extent by which our hearts can doubt the, the reality of this resurrection. And if you, in your heart, 
truly doubt the resurrection, you cannot be on mission. You will not be on mission. You may be totally obsessed with yourself, with your own life, with, with defending yourself from every suffering and every sorrow. You're going to have no message to give. You're going to have nothing to be about. You're going to have no power to give the message or to be on mission. Alright. If you doubt, if you doubt, you need to fight your doubts. You can't stay content in your doubts. You can't brush them aside. If you have real doubts, you cannot be on mission. Not because you're not allowed to be, but you, you just can't be. You won't have the power to do it. All right, and I want to remind us that the people back then, they didn't believe in the resurrection inherently. All right, they didn't just believe that everyone could be resurrected, that, oh, they're just open to everything. No, they, they were just as scientific. They were just as hard to convince. All right, but they, they were convinced. They were convinced of the resurrection. That Jesus standing before them convinced them that, okay, maybe resurrection is possible. And just as a, as a rabbit trail, as a brief rabbit trail, why do we believe in the resurrection? Why do we believe in the resurrection? First, first, there is an empty tomb. The tomb was truly empty. All right, we have to explain what we do with the empty tomb. All right, second, second, we need to explain the fact that there were hundreds of people that said they saw him alive. Paul says 500 witnesses. 500 witnesses, eyewitnesses, all saw Jesus at once, and he wasn't in his grave. All right, we have to, we have to explain that. You can't just say, well, prove to me the resurrection. Like, well, prove to me what happened. What is your explanation for that? All right, third, we have to explain the fact that these were Jewish men who'd been raised to never worship another god, who've been raised to never worship a man, and yet here they are worshiping Jesus. All right, this is a big change in theology. This is a huge change in theology. And all of a sudden, a bunch of good, high-quality Jewish people suddenly are, being, are blaspheming and saying that this is God. Like, what made them believe that? What convinced them? What would convince you to do that? To change everything you believe? All right, finally, we see, like, we see the stories surrounding this. These aren't, like, these aren't positive stories. All right, we have a bunch of ladies who no one believed seeing the resurrected Jesus. And that was, that was offensive in the culture. Like, no, I want a man to tell me. All right, the only reason it'd be this story is because it actually happened. We have disciples. They doubted. They didn't really believe. These aren't heroes of the faith. And yet we also see these people, they go out on mission. That people don't, don't die and give their lives for a lie or for a conspiracy. They give it because they're convinced. All right. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you have to explain this stuff. You have to explain what the movement, how, how Christianity happened. Why all these people believed. It's not enough that you can just say, oh, I, I don't know, it seems weird to me. No, it, the best explanation is the resurrection of Jesus. That he's alive. And that there is eternal life waiting for us. That this time is our time of mission and there's, there's a life to come. Now, if you don't believe that, you need, to, you need to face your doubts and fight your doubts. And then you need to go out on mission. 
All right. So if Jesus is resurrected, if Jesus is resurrected, he has authority. He has authority. Second point, he has authority. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, when Jesus was risen from the dead, he wasn't just risen to like, okay, now he's, he's back to normal life. No, he was risen to, to sit on the throne that he had defeated everything else. That he was victorious. He was given power and authority because he'd completed the mission. All right, so who is this Jesus now? The resurrected Jesus, he's the one sitting on the throne in heaven. He is the one orchestrating all things. He's the one who's, who's putting all the pieces together towards his own glory. He's the one who works salvation in the hearts of men. He's the one in control. He's, as we saw last week, uh, two weeks ago, he is the, the great I am. He is Yahweh. Sitting on the throne with seraphim. All right, he, he's, he's in control. He has authority. That everything out there is being done by Jesus. Because he is the only one who is resurrected. He is the only one with authority to do it. Alright, second. Second. Jesus has authority over evil and death and Satan. And those things don't stand against him. Alright. So there are people who are blind, who cannot see, and Jesus can open their eyes. Jesus can hold back the, the lies of Satan. He can, he can defeat death itself. He can choose people and raise them to life. All right, that is his authority as the resurrected one. Death cannot hold him. Evil cannot defeat him. All right, finally, finally, he has authority over the living. He has authority over the living, especially those who put their faith in Jesus. So if Jesus is alive and you've put your faith in him, the reality is that you are living Jesus' life. He has given his life to you. And the only reason you, reason you have breath in your lungs is because you are living Jesus' eternal life. This isn't your life, this is Jesus's. And if that's the case, he gets to tell you what, he does, what you get to do with your life. He has authority over it. The only reason you have life is because of, because of him. He gets to tell you how to live it. Now, as a side note, as a side note, some people don't follow Jesus not because they don't believe in the resurrection. It's because they don't want to follow him. They don't want Jesus as Lord. They don't want Jesus to be able to tell them what to do with their life. You're going to meet people and they're going to say, Oh, yeah, no, I just, I, just, I just can't believe it. Like, no. They doubt because they don't want Jesus as Lord. Doubt is a tool so that they don't have to follow him. That's the reality of us on mission. Is that these people aren't just out there with, with innocent hearts. No, is that they have blind hearts and they have willfully disobedient hearts. That if salvation is going to come to these people, if salvation came to us, it's because Jesus had to work in all of his authority to save us. But he has that authority. And he can do it. He has all authority. All right. Third point. Third point. All right. So he did the work. He has authority. Now he gives us his commandment. He gives us his commandment. What does he say? He says, 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Go therefore and make disciples. All right. All right. What we would expect from this is Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, you don't have to do anything. Because Jesus is going to take care of it. All right. Jesus has all the authority. Jesus has all the power. You know, he's going to do all the saving. So just sit back and wait. All right. That's how we expect it to go. That's how we think it actually does go. That's, our, that's how our lives expect it to go. That if Jesus has all the authority, then, then I shouldn't do anything. It's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. That Jesus, in all of his authority and with all his authority, he says, go. That our reaction to the authority and sovereign rule of Jesus is to go, not to stay. Not to be silent, not to wait. It's to go. It's to go. And Jesus, with all authority... He can tell us to do that. He is the Lord. He is the one that we follow. And, all right, I want to remind us. This is the Great Commission. That there was the climax of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then he says, now do this. The Great Commission, go. All right. Unfortunately, we treat this like a suggestion. Or like, you know what, 2% of you need to go. Some of you need to go to Africa and do this. Like, no, no, this, that's not what he says. This is, this is the mission, this is the commandment. All right. Well, we as a church, we like, to, we like to get nitpicky about the law and the commandments of God. All right, we, we've, you can have like debates with people. Like, okay, so, so if you had... If you had, you were hiding Jews from the Nazis and the Nazis came and knocked on your door, like, do you lie to God or not? Like, do you, like, do you lie to the Nazis? Are you, are you then lying? Are you, do you go to hell for that? How does this work? All right. When it comes to like weird nitpicky things about the law, we like are super into it. And we get excited about that. Like, oh, like, wow, like, I just really want to be obedient. Like, but then we have this whole commandment that's supposed to change our whole lives and we don't spend any time talking about it or doing it. Alright, that's where like, if we were in that situation, we probably wouldn't have Jews in our basement because we wouldn't have known any Jews. Alright, like, we, our neighbors would have been taken and we'd have been like, oh, they moved. Like, okay. Like, because we didn't know their names or anything about them. Alright, that's the problem. That's the problem. We were so not on mission, like we couldn't even try to do this. All right, if we really want to be obedient, let's be obedient to this commandment. We don't get to play anymore. All right, we don't get to pretend that this isn't a real commandment or that other people are going to go do it. No, you are called to do it. You are called to do it. And the amazing thing is, like, if we love Jesus, this is what Jesus loves. Jesus loves being on mission. That he had the opportunity to come be on mission and save sinners, and he did it, and he did it joyfully. And that when, when Jesus, what the things that broke his heart were not like nitpicky failings of the law. The things that broke his heart were people who, who didn't have a shepherd. His heart broke for those people. He wept for those people. 
He saw them as harassed and helpless. And that's why he sends us out. That if we really want to make Jesus excited, he gets excited over the salvation of those who are lost. That there are parties in heaven when one sinner comes to, comes to him. That he is the father waiting for one to, to run and return and he runs to them. If we want to worship Jesus and we want to love Jesus, this is probably the best way to do it. All right. So what does that mean? That means, okay, so we're first called to go. Go. All right, we go lots of places. We go places all the time. We know people. We, we're around them. There's a difference between just wandering through life and going with a mission. All right, you know when you're like just going to the store or you're going to the store and like praying that like maybe I'll get to talk to someone about Jesus. There's a difference between going to work and, and going to work. Hoping for opportunities. Going on a walk and like praying for your neighbors and hoping that someone comes out because then, then you might get to know them. Then you might get to do the mission. All right, there's a whole mindset shift here. All right, when your neighbor moves in next door, you shouldn't be all excited like, my neighbor, someone moved in next door. They're a Christian. All right, you always hear that. Like, and thankfully they're a Christian. Like, why are we excited? Like, that would have been a great missionary opportunity. And now like, oh, it's a Christian. Oh, like, <laughs> all right, I want that reaction. Like, now I'll have to walk further and like walk to my neighbors over there. All right, that not like, oh, like I'm surrounded by a cushion of Christians. So I can't do the mission. No, like, and that's not acceptable. If that is the case, then you need to get out of the Christian cushion so you can do the mission. Go. Go. All right, there aren't excuses here. You can't just say, well, I, I've just never met a non-Christian. Then, then go meet one. Go find one. They're out there. We believe in them, all right? Some of you have never seen one, but they, they're out there. I, trust me, all right? Go find them. All right, and, and when, when, you go, when you go and you find them, what are you trying to do? The fundamental thing in this commandment is make disciples. Make disciples. You're trying to help them follow Jesus. That's the fundamental thing. That they might receive the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. They might see who Jesus has been for them so that they could follow him. They could walk with him. They could know him and love him. Now that's going to entail some things. That's going to entail baptizing them. All right, please don't do any baptisms yourself. Uh, bring them here. We'll do that. Casey. Um, she did that a couple times with uh, people in her sorority. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we, we didn't know it better back then. Um, all right. This is, this, is, this is including them in the community of faith. This is uniting them to the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's baptism. Okay. Get them in the community. And then after that, we instruct them. We instruct them in the things that Jesus taught them. We instruct them in nothing but Jesus, that, that it's nothing, nothing that we do. It's only what Jesus has done. And eventually, we instruct them in the Great Commission and send them out. And it begins this whole cycle where we 
we actually hear all the commandments and eventually take those to the world. All right. Now, this is the means that Jesus, the authority of the world, has, has decided to save people from. All right. He's decided to use us. To use you. Now, he could have chosen any method, but he chose this method to send you out into the world to bring the message of Jesus. Now, I know that some of you don't like that. And some of you are kind of like railing against that and like, well, no, if, if I don't go, Jesus will save them another way. No. This is the way he's chosen. This is the method. This is the one method. And this is the one method you're responsible for. All right, Romans says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe on him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless someone is sent? Like, all right, no more do we get to say, like, well, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He'll, he'll find his people. I don't need to go. No, that's bad theology. That's really bad theology. All right, you, we, I and you, we're responsible to do this. This is our response to the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus sends us out. It sends us out. And if we don't go, no one is going to go in your place. And at no point in the Bible is someone comforted with the sovereignty of God saying, well, no, you know what? You don't need to go. You, you're not responsible. No, the Bible never says that. It never says that. That's bad theology. That's false theology. That's, that's evil, lazy theology. That's theology that serves us and doesn't follow Jesus. All right, we want to do this as a church. As a church, we want to be a missionary church. That when you come here, you're on mission. When you come here, you want to come here so that you might be better at the mission out there and you might meet people here and share the gospel and move them towards Jesus. Right. Individually, when you go out there, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. All right, if, if you believed on Jesus, say with me. Say with me. I am a missionary. I am a missionary. All right, let's say it again. I am a missionary. All right, one more time, just so we're all very clear. I am a missionary. All right, that's, that's the case. All right, maybe you're a bad missionary. Or you're a lazy missionary. All right, or you've had an identity crisis and you've forgotten that you are a missionary. All right. That doesn't mean you're not a missionary. That is what you are. Every single one of you. You are a missionary. That's what you're called to be. Go be a missionary. All right. Now, how do we all react to that? Maybe you have fears. Maybe you have doubts. You have, like, theological qualms, like... Well, what, what, if I, what if I say something wrong? What if I say something bad? What if they ask me a question I don't know? How am I supposed to save someone? I don't have the power to save anyone. I don't have all the answers. All right, Jesus gives us one, one final thing. 
which is very helpful. This last verse, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, if it weren't for that fact, then yes, you should be mired in fear and doubt and, and be terrified to go out there because you can't save anyone. And you won't save anyone and you'll just get beat to a pulp. But Jesus is going to go with you. And he promises that he will be with you. This one who has all authority is united to you. He's given you his spirit. So you go in the spirit of Jesus. You go with the power of Jesus. You go with the authority of Jesus. And Jesus is behind all this stuff, orchestrating all things so that some might come to salvation. You are not going alone. And you are not saving anyone. You're, you're going and you are bringing Jesus to people. Literally. Literally, you are bringing Jesus to people. That when you walk into the room, like, you are bringing Jesus to the room. And you can either faithfully do that, or you can, you can hide Jesus inside of you. So, just get to know people. Get to know non-believers. Talk about the Jesus that you follow. Go. Go. Alright, so what are we, what are we not going to do? What are we not going to do? Alright, you don't get to pretend that you don't know enough about Jesus to talk about him. Alright, you do. You know enough about Jesus. Alright, you know that you're not saved by your own works, you're saved by Jesus, and so are they. Alright, one of my favorite, favorite ways of evangelizing is when someone says something dumb about Christianity that we don't believe in, just correct it. Alright, so it's like, oh, like, one of my favorite opportunities was someone said, uh, my aunt said to me, she's like, you know, I've just never really been good at being a Christian. And it was like, that's the whole point. We're all bad at being Christian. That's why Jesus was the perfect Christian for us. All right, he died, he gave us life. Like, it's not about us being good. I recognize that so many people, like, tell me what I believe about Jesus, and I just need to correct it. Because they don't understand. You know enough about Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have the person of Jesus. Give them Jesus. We're not giving them morals. We're not giving them rules. We're not giving them laws. We're giving them Jesus. All right. We are done with theology gymnastics. When I say go, you don't get to say, well, no, I can't save anyone. No, what you need to say is, yes, I believe the spirit of Jesus is inside of me and he can do amazing things. That's the theology. That Jesus is going to go with me and I, I can do this because Jesus is going to do all the hard work. All right, finally. No more just willful disobedience. This doesn't get to be the one commandment that you don't do anymore. You don't get to disobey this one. And I recognize, like, we all suck at this. We are disobedient. Thankful we, we have a gracious Savior who has died for, for this sin too, for disobedience to the Great Commission. But Jesus dies for us. He forgives us. And then he, he, then he says, go. Go. Nothing's changed. You still have to obey. Yes, you have grace. You have grace, so go. All right. 
We excited about this? Yes, yes, we're excited about this. All right, if you're bored with the Christian life, you don't need to be bored anymore. Like, you have something to do. You cannot waste your life anymore. There is a mission. There's like infinite ways that you can go do this. And that like your life can have infinite meaning and can like bring amazing joy to our Savior because you're invited to this mission. And you can't screw up because Jesus goes with you. And if you do screw up, Jesus has grace for that too. Let's screw up trying to be faithful. Amen? Because <laughs> we love Jesus and Jesus loves the mission. And the only reason you have a mission is because Jesus came on mission for you. Go on mission for him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have shown us the resurrected Jesus. We thank you that there is eternal life. We thank you that there is a mission that we're called to. And we thank you that, that you go with us. We cannot do this alone. And you've given us everything that we need. So, Father, would you give us the, the, the smallest amount of faith. That we would just faithfully respond to the call. That we would get to know our neighbors. That we would get to know the people at work. Father, would you just send us out? Would you give us joy in Jesus and faith in Jesus and a love for Jesus that we love us?